Welcome to a very special episode of the Kill Rock Podcast featuring Cam Smith from the band Hotel Books. And this is the title track off the brand new album set to be released April 7th. This is the song Run Wild Young Beauty. This is Cam Smith from Hotel Books and you're listening to the Kill Rock Podcast. Sometimes I feel like some sort of gold being. I'm some sort of metal that only has purpose when someone needs something. And people wouldn't chase after me if it wasn't for greed, if it wasn't for the purchasing of some sort of peace. And my hopes and dreams are put on display for all to see. But under heat, they bend and they bleed. And maybe you couldn't tell this was once beautiful. It's pure gold just covered in black ink. Covered in the charcoal remains of ashes from the last time someone burned me. But baby, I can be something you need. Bend me in that fire until I fit a shape that can offer you some sort of utility. Cause I can see you, but I can't touch you. And I can touch you, but I can't feel you. And I can feel you, but I can't see you. I used to, but then I went blind. Mend me into a cup so when you get too drunk, you'll think of me. Or mend me into a ring or some sort of jewelry so I can hold some sort of diamond within me. And people won't notice me, but they'll see I possess something with So someone can hold me high as they boast to the sky that they don't need anything Or make me into a medallion, a true sign of victory Not as flashy as a trophy, so it possesses some dignity Make me into a locket that you can wear around your neck So I can possess a picture of the man who made you feel the best Or at least better than I ever did Cause I can touch you, but I can't see you And I can see you, but I can't feel you Well, I can feel you I used to, but then you left my life. You're not one to look for gold or any other sort of monetary value. And that's why I'll always love you. That's why I'll always love you. So don't make me into anything you might lose. Please just don't make me into another excuse. Just make me feel like me. So I can make you feel like you. I can feel you. I can touch you, and I can't see you, where have you gone? Just don't make me into another excuse, just make me into something that you can use, just make me feel like me, so I can make you feel like you, cause I can feel you but I can't see you, and I can see you but I can't touch you, and I can touch you but I can't feel you. It's okay. Just don't zone out during the interview. <laughs> All right. Welcome to episode 37. Hey, Cam, guess what? You just bumped Michael Sweet from Striper. <laughs> Dude, that, that was... That's how special you are. That's always the goal, man. This is episode 37 with um, Cam Smith from Hotel Books. Before we get started with Cam Smith, though, I want to let you guys know that today's podcast of the Kill Rock Podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash killrock. And Cam, in about 15 minutes, I'm probably going to ask you for your favorite book, and we'll look up if it's on Audible. And they can make, and we can make that our Audible audiobook of the week. How does that feel? Dude, that's perfect. That's all I ever wanted was... To share, actually, it's crazy because we referenced my favorite book on our last record, and a lot of people don't know that. So, there's a conversation starter. Is it 50, 50 Shades of Grey? It is. That's your favorite book? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, between that and Purpose Driven Life, I don't know which one I would choose. <laughs> I think that was actually one of the books Angela from The Office said that she would take on a desert island. Dude, I was, I was, somebody showed me this picture, and it was in a Barnes and Noble, and I said, what we recommend after Fifty Shades, and it's just where they put the Bible. <laughs> that was funny. 
So after you read Fifty Shades of Grey, go read the Bible. <laughs> that's what Barnes and Noble are telling you. That's what, that's not our endorsement. That's Barnes and Noble's endorsement. So that's how you know it's legit. <laughs> so you have a new album coming out uh, April seventh. If I am wrong, you could always correct me, Cameron. Can I call you Cameron? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Okay, well I'm gonna call that's you Cameron. You knew you knew me before uh, before Hotel Books, so you can call me Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, the album is uh, called uh, Run Wild Young Beauty. Uh, yeah. Said to come out April 7th on In Vogue Records. Yeah, In Vogue. How, <laughs> how uh, you know, what was, what was the way, how did you guys write this album? Uh, I know for the most part, actually for all the parts, you write every single lyric. But uh, musically, that's not really your thing. Uh, how did the writing of this album come about? Okay, well, this album's a weird album for us, in a good way, in a good way. I agree, in a, in um, a good way. Caleb, Caleb and Andy were brand new to Hotel Books. They'd never written with us before. Normally, we would ride on the road, and we would just cram our gear into somebody's bedroom and just practice, you know, whoever we're staying with on the road, and that's how we'd write records. And this time, uh, we didn't have that luxury on tour because we didn't have, have a lineup. <laughs> And uh, oh, okay. I wrote a bunch of lyrics. I spent some time with uh, uh, a bunch of different friends who play music, and we, we demoed out a bunch of ideas trying to help me figure out where I wanted to go with the new record. Uh, Zachary Guerin from Strawberry Girls helped write some stuff, and uh, I threw some lyrics on top of some stuff he wrote. And I was kind of like just demoing, going all around California, hanging out with people and demoing hotel books material. And then uh, I was like, this is a really cool way to write a record. This is really organic. This is cool. Fans are going to like this approach. I like this approach. And then we got to the studio and just threw it all out the window, just completely scrapped everything and wrote a record together. Was I one of those people? Because you actually yeah. sent me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You sent me nothing was the same, but I think the working title was Dwayne Johnson. Yeah, it was Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> yeah, I remember I used to send you demos and you were one of the people where I was like, yeah, what, what is, do you think this is where a hotel book should go? And I know that, you know, the last record we put out is called I'm Almost Happy Here. Mm -hmm. And that was when we first started experimenting as a full band. And I wanted to continue doing that. But I, I got a lot of responses from people who hated ideas and loved ideas. And, right. and then we got to the studio and uh, I spent so much time stressing over writing what everybody wanted to hear. And we got to the studio and I realized, you know what? I think I think we need to just write the most honest record we can. So we decided to just start as a four piece and end with a four piece. And uh, and that's talking musically, right? That's not necessarily yeah. lyrics. Because you've always been happy with your lyrics, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, yeah, I write the lyrics. Um, and and this record's a little cool. This record was cool because we actually um, we just put out the single "Run Wild" and there's singing at the end, and Dan right. does the singing, and then uh, which was Andy, supposed to be my part. Which, yeah, but we cut you because, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we have Andy sing on the record, Dan sings on the record, and that was cool because I still wrote the lyrics, but I got to, for the first time, help shape melodies, and I'd never done that in hotel really? books. Uh, yeah, Dan Dan uh, is really good at shaping melodies. That's something he's really good at, and so he had some ideas, and then uh, Dan, where was Dan? Dan was doing something else, and I was trying to punch in vocals for a part, and I was like, oh, I'm going to sing. And I could not figure out a vocal melody. So Andy was like, you know, let me go in the box and try. And I was like, okay, you could try, dude. Like, whatever. <laughs> and he just and he just did it. And then and then he sang it, and I was like, cool, there we go. We're done. Now, uh, <laughs> you, you did sing on this album, though, right? I didn't sing anything. You didn't sing anything? You mean, uh, like, nothing. You sang nothing on this album. I mean, I, I yell a lot. <laughs> I could have sworn I hear, heard your voice uh, at least on uh, on a, a, a Love Life Let Go. I could have sworn that oh, you were actually singing. No, okay, I do sing on that song, but I sing amongst numerous people. Yes. The, the, well, the, lead, yes. the lead vocal on that is J.T. Woodruff from Hawthorne Heights. <gasps> no way! Yeah, so the lead you. vocal is JT, and then I did some background vocals with Andy, Dan, and Caleb, and uh, we recorded our background vocals kind of gang vocal style right. because we thought that would be fun to do it together, and uh, <laughs> Caleb couldn't keep a straight face the whole time, <laughs> so uh, it was it was pretty funny. I, I don't know why, but whenever Caleb and I made eye contact, we would just start laughing, so uh, we luckily JT did a really good job on the lead vocal, but yeah. You can hear my voice in there, and uh, and Caleb and Dan and Andy. Andy sounds like the dude from Snow Patrol, which is really cool, because 
that's relevant. Now, if <laughs> so is Modest Mouse. We'll get to that later. Whatever. <laughs> uh, well, you know, if you're going to get a guest vocalist to replace me, I'm glad it was JT from Hawthorne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. Him and Nick Moore, um, our label owner, came to check out, you know, the progress of the record. And, right. you know, everybody was really nervous because – you know, Nick asked us a week before we went to the series, like, how much material do you have written? And we were like, oh, uh, none. <laughs> we don't have a record. That's uh, that's something every label owner wants to hear. <laughs> and he's like, well, are you going to get it done in time? We're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so, uh, so, but no, Nick, Nick and JT were awesome. They came, hung out with us, and then JT uh, put me through the most painful situation of my life. And I'm, I'm, I think, I'm thankful for it. Uh, he kept making me redo vocals. I don't redo vocals. Really? I like, to, I like to punch them in raw. I like to just go in there and do it and get out. And JT was trying to teach me how to approach vocals strategically, which is what he does, and he, it's, it's what most artists do, and that's why JT's on the radio and I'm not. That is <laughs> um, true. That is true. And he did an awesome job teaching me how to how to develop a cadence with lyrics. And then, you know, we that was probably – I think that was the first song we we recorded vocals for. So the rest of the record, I was able to go into it, taking a lot of the advice JT gave me, and I think I think it really made the record cool. I really, I mean, I was really stoked. I, I never thought that a platinum selling artist would just come and hang out with me in the studio well, and that, help me, you know, help me get to where I want to go. Well, that's an awesome thing that that was the first song you guys did because you know going into like maybe a, if if he came in like halfway through the process, you might have. Uh, you know, half and half your album sounding one way yeah. and half the other, the rest of the album sounding the other. Yeah. And I think it's funny too. Cause, uh, I don't know how many secrets I'm supposed to give, but whatever. Everybody, we're, we're releasing know. this next week. <laughs> yeah. You only YOLO once, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so I was, I was, you know, JT was in there and I'd come in, I'd be like, dude, I felt like that was better. And he'd be like, it was better. But it, it wasn't quite good yet, though. Wow. And I was like, man, this guy's really critical. And then he left, and we deleted every. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, he left. And we, and uh, he left, and Caleb and Dan came to listen to the final product of what JT and I worked on. And they were in the studio hanging out, but, right. you know, everybody was kind of doing their own jobs. And then I, I showed it to them, and we all kind of agreed, like, wow, this is a really cool thing we did. And uh, it gave us the ability to approach the next batch of songs that we were writing with that mindset. We actually wrote a song. We are developing a song called 10 Steps Forward. And uh, we were, I, I told my bandmates, it's like, what if we took a hip-hop approach to the song? And I told that idea to JT because we were still in pre-production when JT came over. Okay. And I was like, yeah, we tried to take a hip-hop approach to the song. And JT's like, what does that mean? <laughs> and I was like, you know, like verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, like how hip-hop songs are structured. And he's like, he he paused and looked around the room, kind of like kind of like the get a load of this guy. And I was like, oh, JT's gonna hurt my feelings right now. <laughs> and then JT was like, said the coolest thing ever. He's like, Cameron, you call that a hip hop arrangement, but any other artist in the history of the world just calls that an arrangement. <laughs> like what a jerk. That, he's like, that's what every normal band <laughs> arranges their songs like. So a hip hop artist. They don't consider <laughs> it. I've only, heard, I've only heard hip hop artists use because I don't. I, you know, when we're in the studio listening to, like I said, you know, like, like Modest Mouse and TTNG right. and stuff like that, we're not paying attention to arrangements. But it was awesome to have JT because JT came in and said, "Hey, I've I've done this before. I understand the importance of experimenting. I understand the importance of being yourself and being emotional. But I also understand the importance of putting together something that's cohesive and accessible. Right. And like what he gave us." was you know a guest vocal but really what he gave us was just him and nick and everybody else just gave us this advice that we would have never come to on our own because we were you know hotel books always been about like dude i mean our biggest song our biggest hit we've ever released was recorded in a burger king bathroom like yeah, dude we've never true. we've never taken the time to learn how to do things the right way so it was just it was really cool that they just came in and said dude we're gonna have to break you a little bit but we're gonna rebuild you you know and it was awesome and that was ghost can't love right yeah, Ghost Can't Love, I always thought, and I never thought, we're all just punched. Actually, that's not completely true, because some of it was recorded in my bedroom closet, but when, when when it got down to the brass tacks and we had to track it for real, Kevin recorded all the guitars in his in his apartment, and then we punched in the vocals in a public bathroom because we were on tour and didn't know what to do. Yeah, we released it as a demo, and then, like, and then we put it online, and then it became the actual... 
the actual release. Like we're like, now let's go record it for real. And we're like, yeah, everybody likes it though, so why even change it? And that's kind of how Hotel Book's been. Every, you know, we like it. Why change it? And JT came and said, "Hey Cam, like this sounds good, but let's make it sound the best it can be. Right. And let's let's invest the time." And it was really cool. You know. I totally agree with that. Was this your first uh, real professional uh, recording? I mean, um, I, I know you guys. We, did, I know the other album. You know, you guys did in parts, but is this the first one you did with uh, you know industry people actually looking over you? Um, okay, so the first three songs, or the first half of I'm Almost Happier, because it's a two-part record. Right. First half we did with our buddy Hiram Hernandez, who's um, a pro- very professional. And he he actually helped a lot with, with production, um, not just on that record, but we also kind of took you know some pieces from him um, when we did the next batch of songs. And he, um, yeah, he recorded that, and we, we had a lot of advice there, but we still punched in the vocals in one shot. Mm. Because that that was kind of my first time doing full band music, and I said, you know what, Hiram, like, I want to do it the way we've always done it, and and let's slowly work our way into full production. And he was super cool about it. He's a cool rad dude, uh, out over in Phoenix, and he he did that for us. And so this was our first time recording as a full band in a studio, but we'd worked with professionals before to help us shape what what ended up being hotel books. But yeah, this was the first time where we were like. You know, we recorded our last record on our own dime and then signed to Invogue. Right. Where this is the first one where Invogue's carrying us through the process. Right. And now we have Outer Loop, who's been uh, one of the biggest assets in our band. And we never had that before. So before it was like, who cares if this is marketable or not? This is what we want to write. And now we're saying, you know what? There's a lot of people, honest people, who, you know, our manager Wayne was pours hours into us. I don't know why. We, we're not, we're not getting this huge return for him, but he pours hours just like, you know what, we have all these different people who inspire us every day, so let's write a record that all of them are proud of, not just us, you know? Well, that's just the signs of a good manager. Yeah, and, and he, you know, anybody who can force us in a polite way, whether it be, like I said, just JT with his friendship and his advice, or whether it be Wayne, you know, with his management, any these people just come to us and say, we believe in what you're doing, but we want to see it go as far as it possibly can, and so they just jump in and say, "Hey, this is what this is how I would approach it." And then we we choose as a band what's good and what's bad. And so far, we've we've trusted the people um, calling the shots, and it's been really awesome. We've been we've been really blessed, and God's been really present in what we're doing. And these people have really been carrying us, so it's been cool. Now, with Run Wild, Young Beauty, um, I I've noticed uh, quite a few things about the album. Um, it it's very different from what hotel books has gone, do, ever done. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not really because uh, I believe it was a song, uh, Wooden Floorboards. That's something that, you know, normal, original, uh, you know, hotel books would have done. A, yeah. nice, a, a, post, a post-rock uh, guitar piece with your vocals going over it. But for the most part, this has a really nice post-rock, even post-hardcore at times, yeah. Uh, type sound with you just either yelling, talking, screaming over it. Um, we talked about the writing process, but and also the recording process. But what did this do to your voice? This album. Um. So most of it was punched in one take. I think nine out of twelve songs were done in one take. We did them all in one afternoon with Nick Ingram. It was funny. He had dinner plans, and he was like, "Dude." Because, like, when we went to the studio, the deal was, you know, we record, like, 9 to 5 or whatever. But Nick was super good about, like, if there was nights where we're like, hey, dude, we're, we're just, we're flowing, let's keep going. He was totally, that rhymed. That was cool, man. Write that one down. Anyway, you know, we kept we kept flowing, and he'd, he'd let us keep going. And that night, he was like, dude, I got dinner plans. And we were on, like, song four. And I was like, dude, I think we're going to finish the record tonight, man. I just feel, <laughs> I feel like we can do it. And he was like, dude, we're on song four. And I was like, yeah, we'll finish it. And uh, it wasn't even, like, me being cocky. I think it was me just being like 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 kind of lying to myself thinking like maybe if i tell myself i'm gonna get this done i'll trick myself into getting it done so uh you know there wasn't too high demand on my voice um not as much as i expected um wooden floorboards is probably the most vocally demanding song on the record we punched that one in yeah we did caleb Caleb and Dan had that instrumental in mind before we got to the studio. It was one of the few things we had mapped out. And then I was like, dude, it kind of, it's kind of creepy. And then uh, I was like, let's make it kind of creepy. Let's, let's, 
boosted up to extremely creepy. Let's get some church bells and some old piano on it. Let's let's make it as creepy as it can get. I don't know why I thought that was what hotel books needed, but I know a lot of people love the old ambient stuff that Kevin wrote, and I thought, you know what? Let's let's you know we can't bring Kevin back. Um, you know we can't copy Kevin because what Kevin does is unique to him. Right. But what we can do is is use inspiration from Kevin and, and you know Caleb and Dan and they've never met the weird thing about hotel books is like you know Kevin and I were at hotel books for two and a half years and right. you know Caleb and Dan have never met Kevin like they've and never they, met and they basically wrote some I mean I'm not saying that you know it wasn't yeah. their own original idea but it was something that Kevin totally would have written yeah yeah and even like I it's funny too because the original when I was demoing that song out that song dude those lyrics wow man I wrote those lyrics we're on Warped uh, doing promo for I'm Almost Happy Here. Mm-hmm. I We stopped at this kid's house in San Diego and we tracked it. We paid him, I think I paid him 10 bucks to record two demos and we recorded that one and then we recorded Nothing Was Different on top of two of Kevin's instrumentals. And I asked Kevin, like, dude, I just need a couple instrumentals to demo on top of so I could send it to the, the new Hotel Books members. And then uh, I was like, okay, whatever. And then Zachary Guerin, uh, him and I were talking and he recorded a demo saying, hey man, uh, this would be cool for hotel books. And I recorded, I re-recorded those lyrics on top of that demo. So we had kind of two backbones already in mind, two separate ideas already in mind of, Hey, this is how this could go. So with that song, it's, you know, it's five minutes of me yelling and it, you know, I got into the box and I just yelled it out. And I think that was one of the last, I think that was the last song we did cause it was really hard. And I ran out of time on the, on the track because we didn't know what we're doing the track yet. So the producer was in there taking the guitar and taking the piano and copying and pasting it as oh, I wow. went. So that way the instrumental wouldn't cut out. Because oh, once wow. the instrumental cut out, I'd lose the emotional synergy of it. Right. So he was just copying and pasting, copying and pasting, copying and pasting as we were going. And, we're like, and I didn't know what to do. I didn't, and we didn't have leads yet. So I was, And so the producer's thought process was, we'll just tie it in with leads and stuff. And we, we punched it in, got to the end of it. And I was like, dude, this ruled. Like, this sounds so cool. And I walked out and told Caleb and Dan, like, dude, whatever this track you guys did, this poem's perfect for it. Like, you guys knocked it out of the park. And both of them were like, dude, we've been sitting on that forever. Like, really? we've been wanting to use that since we joined Hotel Books. So, yeah, that was one of the few songs where we were kind of paying homage to Hotel Books, you know? Like, I feel like sometimes I feel like Hotel Books is just a Hotel Books cover band. And so that was the first time where I think I sat there and I was like, this is this is us. Like, we we are Hotel Books. We're not Cam Smith and, and the boys, you know? We are a band. And I hadn't felt that way with this this particular installment of Hotel Books. We did I'm Almost Happy Here. I was hanging out with the dudes every single day. We were writing records, writing songs on tour. It was like, oh, we're a band. We're hanging out. And then, you know, when we became a long-distance band full-time, it was like, oh, dude, I'm just the singer of this band, and they work on the music. And that was the first time where I was like, dude, what we're doing is going hand-in-hand. Like, we're, we're a band, you know? A lot of the stuff when it comes to recording, like, a lot of people don't even give those kind of details. But mm-hmm. that, I mean, that's, that's, that's incredible. That's an incredible way to record a song. Yeah, it was cool. Now, uh, I did mention before that uh, I'm going to ask for your favorite, <coughs> favorite book of all time. What is Dude, it? Dude, Ch- not That's not Hunger Games? Is that what you said? No, Ender's Game. Ender's not Hunger Games. <laughs> not Hunger Games, dude. What's your favorite book of all time? Ender's Game. Not Hunger Games. Ender's Game. Is this that's, that's for real? You're not joking. Dude, Ender's because Game. sometimes okay. I can't even take you seriously. Yeah, no, and nobody believes me. Every time I tell somebody, Ender's Game is my favorite book by Ender's Game by Orson Scott Card. Every single time I tell somebody that, they're like, "You're an idiot." Like, what's your actual favorite book? And I'm like, Ender's Game. <laughs> and then they're like, "No, no, but seriously, Cam, jokes over. What's your favorite book?" I'd say Ender's Game. If it's not Ender's Game, maybe like, maybe something generic, maybe Lord of the Flies. But it's probably Ender's Game, dude. Our last record, I'm almost happy here, is a direct quote from Ender's Game. It also quotes uh, "Boy Meets World," but let's talk about that later. But Ender's yeah. Game, you know what, Cam? It's on Audible.com. Dude. If you go to AudibleTrial.com/slash/KillRock, you could check out our Audible book of the week, "Ender's Game" by Orson Scott Card. He that is officially Cam Smith. From Hotel Books, the Hotel Books, signed to Invogue, Rec- Invogue, Invogue Records, releasing her album Run Wild Young Beauty, April 7th. Go check the, Go check out that book. Go check out Hotel Books. Cam, uh, we talked about... Uh, Wait, I, wanna, I, wanna, I, got, I got something here. Okay, get something. I want, I, want, I want whoever finds the words, I'm almost happy here in the book Ender's Game. Photograph it, put hashtag Run Wild Young Beauty, 
hashtag hotel books, whatever hashtag you want, as long as I can find it. Right. And, uh, yeah, do it. I want to see everybody find that quote. You have no reason for anyone to do it just to do it. No, there's no incentive other than the fact that, like, it'd be cool. <laughs> so no I mean, that's how a lot of things are. No one's going to get a free you, album. You're not even no, going to, like, throw you, a, you don't go to Disneyland because you need a free album. You're like, it's cool. <laughs> so you're not going to throw a bone and get people to listen to the Kill Rock right, podcast? Right, whoever finds – all right. It's all, I, don't, I don't own our album. I don't, I don't, like – um, anybody who finds it, go find I'm Almost Happy here in the Bookenders game. Take a picture of it. Use hashtag Hotel Books and hashtag Kill Rock Podcast, and I'll give you a 30-day free trial for Audible.com. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Anyways, we talked about how you guys wrote the music. Um, I want to get into more of the lyrics because, yeah, musically, this is a lot different. But lyrically, you are the same Cam Smith. Um yeah. I talked to you earlier this week and I said, you know what? I really want to ask you about July part one, because I think in this day and age, um, if it is about what I think it is about, uh, a lot of people are, are, you know, uh, actually, you know what? Just tell us what it's about. And then you'll tell me if I'm right or wrong. Um, yeah, go for it. No, you tell me what it's about. Oh, oh, you want me to start? You were going to tell me what it's about. I want to make sure that I'm right before I look stupid. Oh, that's fine. (laughs) We're, yeah, I wrote July and August. There's there's two songs on the record. One's called July Part One. One's called August Part Two. I wrote the right. songs in like 2012. Oh wow. Um, they're both about people. One of those people was born in July. One of those people was born in August. Uh, a long time ago, in 2013, we put out a record called Two Tour Seven Inch. Yeah. It was a seven inch available on tour, and it had our two singles at the time. I always thought that I would be okay, and I never thought that I would be okay. And then the B-sides were songs called July and August. It was actual specific dates, and it was the birthdays. And then we shortened it to July and August for Run Wild. So those are actually, uh, I guess, re-recorded. But it's not like – I remember on our last record, we redid Car Crash, and like 10 people were like, this is awesome. And then like 1,000 people were like, why would you do this? You ruined a good song. Wow. So we thought, let's, let's do it again. <laughs> As, you know. <laughs> But it's different because these are B-sides that most most of our fan base had never heard before. And it's poems I poured my heart into. And I wanted to give them another shot. And I had two friends. uh, One of them you know. One of them is named Jenny McCord. She's a photographer in the UK. Uh, When Hotel Books started out and didn't have a fan base, she was was our fan base. She was one of the ten people listening to Hotel Books. And uh, she always sent encouragement about the song July and always said she loved that song. And... um, you know, once hotel books started getting big and we started putting out the ghost can't love type stuff, people people forgot to – and it was our fault. We did a bad job tying in our other music because we were like, oh, we have this single that's blowing up. Who cares about the other stuff? You know, we got a little right. selfish and thought let's find the easiest way to get hotel books name out there. And she was always like, Cam, I really wish you would put more attention into these demos. And so then I thought, you know what? That means a lot to me. And then the other person, which somebody you know, is Lazarus Rios, the singer of yeah. Leaders. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember I got a new computer, and uh, this is really embarrassing. I lost those two songs on my computer. I got a new computer. The files were not on my my on my old computer when I transferred my hard drive over. You know, they didn't transfer, so I lost them, and we didn't have them online or anything. So I had to get the seven inch and rip it to MP3 oh, wow. to be able to preserve those songs. And so when we were doing the new record, I told Dan. Um, you know, dude, you're really good at writing beautiful music. I, th- I love these songs. I want to tie them together and make them something unique. And uh, that's kind of the background of why they're on the record. Now, okay. to answer your, your actual question, yeah, I, I just I, I think that when I started Hotel Books, our number one goal was always people. And uh, I, I would be a liar to say that I've done a good job being there for people in the way that we intended to when we started this band. I think that we failed a lot. We've had, you know, a lot of people come in and out of hotel books. We've had people leave hotel books who com- completely hate us. You know, they walk out of the band saying, Cam's an idiot, Cam's a jerk. He doesn't care about anybody. He's, you know, I, I've heard these things. You know, I, I walk into certain cities and people hate me because of how our former members felt they were or weren't treated. And and that's, that's something I have to come to terms with. You know, that's right. something that, that I think about and deal with every single day and maybe I was in the wrong maybe I made mistakes but my, my goal at the end of the day was always to be there for the people who listen to the band and 
these July and August are stories of people who, who invested their heart into hotel books. And I guess it was my little rebellion against the stigma that comes with music of, you know, like, oh, you're supposed to create music for that's relatable to everybody. You're supposed to create music that's going to hit the masses. And I said, well, you know what? This song is for one person. And if somebody else likes it and benefits from it, that's awesome. But it, it's written for one person, and I have one person in mind. And and I'm not, you know, and maybe that's selfish of me because I, I shouldn't waste a whole song on one person. But that's what I decided to do right. because I think that every little story matters and every person I've met on the road matters. And this is somebody that changed my life forever. And uh, not because they were in my life for a long time. You know, I only knew them for two hours and they don't even know who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, I never called that person and said, hey, this song's about you. Um, I just heard her story and wrote a song about it, and you know, four years later, it's still there in my head. Well, it's like and, even if, even you know? if you write, you know, a song about one person, there's always going to be someone else that's going to listen to it and be like, you know, he's talking about someone like me. And I think yeah. that's what gets me because um, if I am, if you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you know, July it talks about a female who uh, has had a rough life. And uh, it gets involved in some things that she shouldn't have. And she knows it. Yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, this is going to be a really weird transition. I promise I have a point here. No, it's okay. Um, Tangents are great here on the Kill Rock Podcast. (laughs) That's what I'm known for. I I make money off of writing tangents. (laughs) Right. um, Run wild is one big tangent. It's just a tangent. Yeah, but uh, anyway... You know, I grew up on POD and PAX 217 and Skillet, and that's all, that was my, my world. And there was a really, really weird thing. This is going to get a little political, and I apologize, but I'm not taking stop sides here. There was a really weird thing that happened in my life, and it happened in your life, and that was, that was 9-11. Right. And uh, this, is, this is, you know, the, the record that came out on 9-11 was uh, Satellite by POD, the biggest record they ever released, uh, 12 times platinum record that changed music forever. It changed Christian music forever. It I, did. You know, there's, there's, dude, honestly, there's The Beautiful Letdown by Switchfoot, mm-hmm. and then there's Jesus Freak by DC Talk, and then there's Satellite by P.O.D. And those three records broke every rule with Christian music. That record came out. I heard Youth of the Nation. Mm-hmm. I remember watching everybody in my life in tears. I didn't understand why. I didn't understand the World Trade Center. I, I, all I knew was that I needed to be sensitive. I needed to be prepared for whatever it would mean, you know? Right. But what I had was a P.O.D. record, and and... That, that song just talked about these different people, and it was a song uniting the nation. And I remember watching the news and them playing Alive and Youth of the Nation in the background of the news even. And you probably remember that because, you know, you grew up yeah. the same way where P.O.D. was what, what you knew. And, and P.O.D. I remember was the song one of my played. favorite bands. Yeah, and that I remember – It's a song that's uniting a nation and the youth of the nation coming together. And it's not a song about how we should all be. It's not. It's a song about – a few individuals. Right. Each verse just recaps the life of an individual person. It's not a song saying, hey, let's all rise up. It's not. It's just talking about the struggles of everyday life. And I heard that and I never, ever, ever forgot it. And when it became time to write Run Wild, I remember sitting there in tears listening to Satellite by P.O.D. on the way home because I was going to fly out the next day to go to Ohio and record Run Wild, Young Beauty. And I said, if I can leave an impact anywhere near this record – then I did my job, not only as a musician, but just as a minister and as somebody who just so ambitiously believes that love is real. Right. And, and, and I mean, I don't know if POD even knew that they were going to change lives, but I can tell you that that, that, was, that was a mind-blowing thing that they did. So when I, when I wrote the song, I thought, you know what, people don't need to, I don't need to tell them how to live their life. I don't need to tell them what, they, what to do. But what I can do is I could take this small voice this story, and I'm not going to put myself in her shoes. I'm not going to pretend like I know what she went through. What I'm going to do is just tell you what she told me. Right. There's no ego in it. There's no opinions in it. It's just the facts of what she relayed to me. And P.O.D. did that. And, I mean, there's a lot of artists who did that. But P.O.D., just their record came out at such a vital time in the U.S. And for the song to be called Youth of the Nation and, and I Feel So Alive and all these songs, it's, it's prophecy, man. It was so crazy. I mean, that's a little, I got a real charismatic, real fast. Yeah. But, you know, but it's just crazy what that record did. And and I just sat there and said, you know what? This band has been a part of my life for, you know, two decades now. And I'm going to, I'm going to do that. That's what I want to do. That's what I'm inspired to do. And I know that it's probably not that cool to ramble about POD, but it, it was, dude, that band, 
that band, that record changed lives, man. And so that's kind of what July and August and a couple other songs on the record did for me was it was my chance to say this, this band, this movement in music, because it wasn't just Pewdie. There was a lot of Christian artists who were just revolutionizing the world, man. And, you know, it was the first time contemporary Christian music became cool. I mean, you know, like like the Jesus Freak record, the beautiful right. letdown. You know, 2001 to 2008 was was crazy, dude. Yet, you, you know, even on the other end of Christian music, you had Norma Jean. Right. You had, you know, and these bands were just revolutionizing Christian music. And I, I just looked back and said, like, you know. I play in a Christian band. I play in a band that believes in God, but more importantly, I play in a band that, that that doesn't care about the agenda of Christianity. And nobody in my band has ever valued the agenda. We've always just valued the love. And the fact that I had these people to write a record with, I said, let's revive these stories. Let's take what, what inspired Jenny. Let's take what inspired Laz. And let's apply that to the same mindset that inspired me when I was a 10-year-old, you know? Because I remember, dude, so many nights, so many days in my life, I wish I could just think like I did when I was 10, when the world was completely falling apart, but I knew everything was going to be okay because I had a POD song to carry me through it. And I just wanted to bring that, bring that back into my own life. And maybe that's selfish of me to write a record for myself, but I needed this record when I wrote it. My bandmates needed this record when they wrote it. And I hope that other people who feel alone during trauma, during anything like that, can say, you know what, I don't have the people I need, but I have these songs. And that's enough. And, you know, we, uh, myself personally, uh, that, al- I mean, yes, that Satellite, probably one of the, the one of the albums that uh, inspired me as well. I yeah. mean, laying in my bed, listening to the, the title track, Satellite. And like I still, I mean, how many years ago was that? That was like what fourteen? It was fourteen yeah. years ago, and I still get the chills listening to that album. Yeah. And now that you, I mean, the you know your uh, your description of Youth of the Nation. I mean, now I could probably listen to that album and you know think completely, yeah. something completely different. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned Pod. You also mentioned Pax Two Seventeen. I know how big of a fan you are of Pax Two Seventeen. Yeah. Um, I listen to Eight One Three May uh, Mayland or sorry Maryland, Maryland? Street. Yeah. And forgive me, listening to it, uh, the beginning reminds me of Voices. Dude, that's tight though. Because it's like it's like, yeah. And then you come in, you can hear the snare go. Yeah, yeah. No, but um, dude, that band—that's the greatest band of all time. Like that's seventeen. Dude, I think Engage was another one of those records where it was just – I mean it didn't have the same social impact as Pewdie obviously. Right. But but the people it did impact, it impacted just as deeply and that's what matters. Like who gives a crap if five people are impacted or 5,000 are impacted? All that matters is that the people who are impacted are impacted in an honest and positive way. And dude, that song Engage and Voice – dude, that's, that album was such a call to action, it, man. It's, it's like, a very underrated album especially when people uh, are super into their self-title or- – is it two self-titled or is it just two seventeen? The first two seventeen was the first one, and Engage yeah. was the second one. But it wasn't yeah. self-titled, right? The first one. Yeah, it was just okay. called two seventeen. But in, uh, yeah, Engage that that album is super underrated. Dude, I feel like they jumped into Engage. This is what they did, dude. And maybe I'm wrong, and maybe somebody from the band will hear this interview and tell me I'm. Completely I hope so, Dave Toasty, but, if you're listening. <laughs> but I think they went to a record and said, "Let's write a record that matters, and let's just throw our egos out the door." And let's just let's just write a record that matters. And they wrote a call to action record that like terrified me as a kid because right. I was like, dude, this is a band that's calling me to live a life of love, and they're making it appealing, which means I might actually have to do it. <laughs> and and it was like, you know, it was like, dude, they're asking me to take a big leap. They're challenging me to to be this or be that, and I want to be those things, but they're hard and they're scary. But Pax Seventeen made it so accessible that I I have to do it. And I remember, dude, I went to every show. My dad, my dad drove me to every show of their farewell tour. Every show, and then really? I went to the re- dude. My birthday is February 16. Right. They did the reunion on February 18. By Two the way, days happy birthday. birthday. Yeah, thanks, man. I went to I went to the the reunion show, dude. I went to every show. They posted when they got back together. They posted a picture, and they're like, some random fan took this picture of us. <laughs> you know, we're back to do a picture I took, and I mailed. I, I I got the picture blown up as a picture of Spirit West Coast of Dave Tosti standing up on the on the rafter. I took a picture of it on my camera when I was a little kid, and then like three years later, I met them in person, had it printed out, had him autograph it. And he was like, dude, send me a print of that. So then he gave me his address to send it to him, his PO box. But instead, I was like, dude, I'm going to your show next week. I'll just bring you a copy then. <laughs> 
because their whole farewell shows were all California. So I was right. like, I, my dad literally took me to every single one of them. I remember we went to Rock the Park, and they they co-headlined with Pod. <laughs> I remember Rock the Park. Yeah, number I one totally, gun, every, yeah. dude. Dude, nothing like mosh pits to Hawk Nelson, man. That was. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's that's a spirit led. Uh, that's a yeah, spirit led mosh pit. You're watching people get now. injured to a stellar carp song. That's when you know that you, you're living life, man. Now let's but, talk yeah. about audio adrenaline. Just kidding, dude. Kevin Max quit that band. Nobody cares. Everybody <laughs> listens to podcasting. Be like, this is the worst podcast I've ever heard. They're just talking about. They're talking about listen. Christian music. Well, underdog body adrenaline. Underdog body adrenaline's a life changing record. I agree with you, dude. I totally agree with Same. you. I totally I agree with you. I think I don't. I'm not going to call that a peak because I saw their reunion tour with Jars of Clay, Thousand Foot Crutch. I went to that reunion tour, and that was Audio Drones reunion tour. Their acoustic reunion tour was the. I, I'm not even kidding. The most life changing live set I've ever seen in my life. Really? So I'm not saying Underdog is their peak because I think they're still putting out good stuff. But Underdog is a record that I thought I, I went and listened to it as an adult, and I was like, "This is going to be cheesy and awful." And I listened to it, and I was like, "No, this is." It's like listening to MXPX, dude. Like, there's never going to be a day where you're like, "Dude, I'm too cool for MXPX." You, like, there's you, that day will never come. You got like Mighty Good Leader. You got uh, Good Life. I yeah, and life's... they they did uh, the my love uh, my love open the door. Yeah, and they did they did the ska rendition of DC Ten. Yes. They redid they redid DC Ten as a ska or like a swing song. Yeah, yeah, dude, that's one of the dude. I think that band ruled. I still think that band rules. I still think that record rules. I think some kind of zombie rules. I think, I think that band. I think, I think the thing with all these bands, and I'm not trying to say Christian music's better. I know most people would argue Christian music's worse, right. and I understand where they're coming from. Christian music has one outlet most of the time, and that's the radio. And so they're writing radio hits, and those radio hits are watered down, and the music's not. You know, I understand the complaints of Christian music, but what I don't, what I also encourage people. Was whether or not you're Christian, listening to a record that has a call to action in it is so inspiring. And maybe that call to action is not something you personally subscribe to. You could say like, oh, I don't believe in God. But most of these records aren't telling you, hey, you need to believe in God. These records are telling you, like, you need to go out there and do something important, you know. And I think Audio Drones Underdog was a record, you know. Hands and Feet was totally that song. Yeah, yeah. It was basically a record of saying – you know, you're an underdog. Who cares? Nothing's yeah. gonna stop you. And I think that "Engaged" by Paxton Team, by and like again, dude, like I'll never ever stop praising "Satellite" by Pod. Like, there's these records where people forgot about them, but they're just they're just records that were written to say like, do something. Right. You know, do something that matters. And I don't think anybody listened to Pod and said like, oh, I don't like this because I don't believe in God. Because nobody bought a Pod record to worship God. They bought a Pod record because it was a good record. Right. And, and it, maybe it, it affected the mainstream, know, not just the Christian world. Yeah, nobody, no, dude, nobody held their Christianity against them. Nobody yeah. said, and there's bands today that I see playing shows that are extremely Christian, and nobody's holding their Christianity no. against them either. I'm watching, like, like you know, we always talk about Silent Planet, right. or like, you know, there's bands like Phineas, or you know, these metal bands that are out there touring, and nobody's sitting there saying, dude, if this band wasn't Christian, I'd listen to them. They're sitting there saying, dude, this band rules, you know? Yeah, I mean, and like, for I'm today, not a metal guy, but you know. Well, for today, and you mentioned Lazarus from Leaders, uh, before today, and Sleeping Giant, they're probably the more outspoken metal bands, and they're yeah. out there on tour with, like, what? Hate breed and all or these warp. bands. Warp, yeah, they do warp tour. Well, I mean, Christian bands do warp tour. Um, let's get back to hotel books. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a great. No, time. I had to. There's my soapbox. I'm done. Now yeah. we can talk. About, now <laughs> we can talk about, about my band. my record that you wanted to talk about. <laughs> well, actually, uh, we we're going to. I uh, wanted to talk about your lyrics because you did post something the other day, and it's something that I've seen uh, not too much from. Uh, people outside of my circle, but I've actually seen it from, you know, friends of mine that will yeah. go out of their way and bash what your message is really saying. And you posted yeah. something about that on Facebook the other day. Uh, I, w- I want to know, like, you know, how, you know, h- how do you get your message across without sounding like uh, someone that's going to come in your show should just go kill themselves or will kill themselves yeah. afterwards yeah. or whatever. Um, well, I'm assuming you're talking about my little my the the message to hotel books fans, what we called it. Yeah. Basically, um, dude. Basically, I just I, I I was all these bands. You know, a lot of bands asked me to do guest vocals or asked me to help their band out. And I think that a lot of them are like, dude, write something depressing because it'll sell. Depression wow. sells. Like kids, kids, kids eat that crap up. Can like you're so good at it. Write something depressing. So it, and dude, it, it makes it has nothing to do with anything I'm talking about then. 
Well, I'll get to it. I'll tie okay. it all together. Okay. Yeah, so I see these bands who are like, Cam, write something depressing. Or even we'll have professionals with our band who are like, oh, dude, you write that that wrist cutter crap. Like, kids eat that crap up. And, wow. it, dude, it makes me sick to my stomach, man. Like, dude, regurgitated lyrics to make somebody's depression feel feel like it's it's right is not okay. I think that depression is something people should be open about. I think depression is something people should be honest about. But if I don't write lyrics to be depressing. I write lyrics to be passionate, honest, and sincere. And if people listen to my records and think, oh, this guy's telling me to be sad, then I think they miss the point. And maybe that's my fault because I didn't communicate my point. But I know what it's like to feel completely isolated. Like we said about the POD record of why I wrote July, I write songs because I want someone to say, you know what, I may not have all the tools I have right now. I may feel alone, but at least I have this song. Right. You know, at least I know that this guy used to feel the way I feel. Maybe he still does. But he found an approach filled with hope. And... <clears throat> When people come to our shows, like I said, I leave them with a call to action and I say like, you know, share love and be love, whether or not your life adds up, you know, it's not about fixing problems. It's not about subscribing to religious agendas. It's not about, I hate to say this, but it's not about being a good Christian. It's not about any of that because people who come to my shows are not Christians, you know, and, and they don't need to be. What they need to be are vessels of love, vessels of hope. And I don't say that because I'm telling people what they need to be. I'm saying that because it's the only thing I've seen that works. Right. And when people come to our show and they're depressed, struggle with depression, I want them to come and say, this is the one place, a hotel book show is the one place where I, I don't have to worry about being judged by those in authority. I don't have to worry about being put down or harassed because of my depression. I don't have to feel like my depression is too much for people to handle. I can just come here and exist and celebrate life. And if you need to cry or sing along or whatever, do it. Be yourself. Be real. And, and I think that a lot of people look at hotel books and just make fun of us because of the de the, the fact that we pay so much attention to depression or make fun of us because, like, this guy looks like he's crying, like, what, what a little baby. And I mean, obviously they use way worse words than that, but, yeah. uh, you know, people say those things and what they don't understand or maybe what I don't convey well enough is it's not about the negative emotions. It's about the fact that I want to tear down those emotional reserves. So people who do struggle with depression or suicide can feel safe and related to and connected with. And that's the only agenda we have. Are we a Christian band? Yes. Do we believe that, you know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Crazy enough, we believe that. But what we believe more importantly is that Christianity is not what matters. Love is what matters. You know, right. Jesus didn't come to earth and say, hey, my goal is to convert everybody to a religion. He kind of came to not do the opposite, but he definitely came to say, like, you know, this is relational. And I think that our job as a band, and I'm not saying every Christian band has to subscribe to this system. I think that there's bands like, you know, there's Michael Levy Smith who writes worship lyrics. And I'm not saying he's doing the wrong thing because his lyrics are fantastic. He's doing it where God put him. But I think that our whole goal as a band is to say, come as you are because we're going to love you for who you are. Right. And if you come as an atheist or come depressed or come um, anything, it doesn't matter. You're, you're part of the hotel. You know, we always say hotel books, family forever. You're a part of that. And it's something we believe in. It's not just a marketing ploy. Does it help our band sell records? Yeah. Do people listen to our band and buy our merchandise because of that? Yeah. I'm not going to lie and say that this is all sacrificial. There are worldly benefits to how we approach it, but that's not why we do. The reason we hired a manager is because I don't want to care about the business of the band. Right. I don't I don't want to care about turning profit. So we hired somebody who keeps us afloat and keeps us safe on the road financially. So all we can worry about as the four of us is writing music, sharing our message and loving the people who come see our show. And a lot of people get don't don't understand that. Maybe it's us. Maybe we fail at, at sharing it. I'm not here to point fingers at anybody but I can say that, yeah, you know, I struggled with real depression. I struggled with suicide. I was, I spent, I gave up six months of my life, um, going up and down to different specialists, trying to understand what could happen. And what I did have was, I didn't have people who understood me. I didn't have people who could just fix me. I didn't have any of that. But what I did have was was songs that I could listen to and, and feel safe with. And, and some of those were Christian artists. Some of those were, you know, like we said, POD and PAX 217. And then some of those were uh, Death Cab for Cutie. 
and Modest Mouse and Pedro the Lion. And I don't think that it's like, oh, God's not in this person's heart, so they can't do this. I think that's, that's stupid. <laughs> the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You know, right. I think that anything anything can be useful if the if the person writing it, if their goal is to be genuine and real, then that that. That's that's what matters. That's what people are looking for. People aren't looking for for anything. You know, I mean, some people are, but the people that come to hotel book shows that I talk to, the ones that take time to talk to me, they they don't ever say like, "Hey, man, thanks for fixing my depression," or "Hey, thanks for fixing my problem." They say, "Hey, thank you for just relating." They don't care. You know, I never cared to know if my depression was going to go away or not. That wasn't my concern. My concern was knowing that I wasn't alone. So if you come to our show and we're we're teary eyed and overly emotional, it's not because we're trying to uh, incite some sort of negative emotion. It's because right. we just we just want to be vulnerable to the people that paid money to uh, participate in our lives. And isn't that what good artists do? I mean, you go to you you know when the chariot was around. I'm sure Josh Scoggin's still doing it with '68. I mean. Yeah, isn't that what you do? Isn't that what you do on stage? Don't you bear I mean, out your emotions? Dude, I've bought records that that change my life, and then I go see them live, and the artist is so ungenuine that it, it makes me. It, it's hard, and then I see bands where I'm like, dude, this music's okay, and then I see the live show, dude. I saw, you know, Matthew West is a Christian artist. He's on the radio, dude. He's, you know, when people are like Christian music sucks, it's just four chords right. with with melodies. That's Matthew West, man. But I saw him live, and his live show he put his agenda completely aside and just related to people. And I was like, you know, I don't, I'm not going to buy his record. I'm not a huge fan of his music, but dude, he changed me. And I'm anybody, any human being I know who likes that type of music, I'm going to 100% endorse Matthew West now, wow. you know? And that doesn't mean, like I said, I'm not giving him my money, but I'm giving him my time. And that that's important too. And, you know, I think there's, I like I said, dude, like, Dude, go watch Thrice play or David Bazan play. Or, and there's these bands where it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter what what they're bringing to the table spiritually, as far as what belief system they subscribe to. All that matters is that you know they're going to bring something real, something they believe in, something they die for. Right. And like that means more to me than what they subscribe to. Do I'll watch I'll watch a room full of full of people who completely I could watch anti Christians right. as long as as long as they're being genuine about their beliefs. Dude, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna feel it. You know, <laughs> it's dude. There's those bands that like, like whenever we tour with artists, there's like, like thrice brand new and converge are the three bands. Those where are like, like the three best bands. Like if there's somebody, there's never gonna be a band where there's not at least one member that listens to thrice converge. Right. Or, you know? Like it's funny too because I'm the thrice guy. I think everybody in my band's the thrice guy. But well, Dan with, the and stuff, I, with the stuff you guys are writing, it, it, yeah. there is some thrice influence. I could tell that. Dude, we all we all downloaded Skeletons by Hawthorne Heights, <laughs> and uh, that was like the record where we're like, dude, this is this is so catchy, this is so fun to listen to, and I, I started listening to a lot of radio stuff, and uh, and then I was listening to Thrice like, the other day, and I was like, dude, I forgot how radio friendly this band is. This is so yeah. cool. This is so cool that this band's so aggressive, but I can get it stuck in my head. But uh, yeah, dude, I mean, obviously that was a huge present. You know, when we go to the, the studio, it doesn't matter what type of music we're recording, it's always going to come. Every The bands that we're throwing around are always going to be Thrice and As Cities Burn and Me Without You. And uh, lately, we've gotten a little weird. I mean, dude, obviously, like, you know me, dude, Modest Mouse is the one that comes yeah, up the most. I know that's your favorite band, and I give you some yeah. grief about that from time to time. <laughs> dude, those new singles have been killer. I haven't listened to them yet. Uh, are you. Are you technically headlining the tour with Hearts Like Lanes? Are you kind yeah. of you're basically that's your guys's tour, and then Farewell yeah. My Love is on those select dates. Yeah, so Farewell My Love's doing their own tour, and then we're right. doing our own. I think okay. we intercept. We just intercept for a couple days. We never met those guys, but right. I have friends who have like I think I had a friend who TM'd for them and stuff, and apparently they're really really cool guys. So that's cool. That's what I. But um, yeah, we're DIYing it out to uh, South by So What. We we got permission from our booking agent to just take a DIY approach to some okay. of these dates, and that's what we're doing with Hearts Like Lions, and then uh, and then we're jumping onto that Defeater tour with Capsize, Capsize, Better Off, better and off. Uh, and Counterpart. I got in trouble. I called them the Counterpart. I know they're called Counterparts. The Before you know, I, I accidentally called them the Counterparts in an interview, <laughs> and the, the guy didn't even take it out. Like, like it was a print interview, and the guy could have just taken out the word the, so I didn't look like an idiot. But instead, he kept the word. And I know they're called well, Counterparts. Cool, cool story though. But cool story though. Uh, the drummer from Better Off is the drummer from Bandit. So Dude. yeah, now I mean now you guys have that connection. Dude, I love that record. Bandit, um, the, better, yes. 
That yes, band. of life is such a great album. Yeah, I was so stoked that you guys uh, were playing that. I was listening to your your um, Kevin Lyman uh, episode, and you guys played Bandit. And I was really stoked. But yeah, I'm really excited to meet the Better Off guys. I have too many mutual friends with them, so it's kind of a bummer I've never met them before. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> it, we have it's a great. million friends who like love those guys. It's great for that album for that episode though, because I told everyone I played. Uh, you know what? Forgive me. I don't remember who I played. But I told him, like, you know what? I'm going to play your song on the Kevin Lyman episode. So when he listened, <laughs> I made sure Kevin Lyman knew. I'm like, That's I awesome. picked these bands just for you. And, yeah, Bandit, such a great such a great band, such a great Dude, album. Dude, it's funny because we, uh, we always get – you know, we're from San Diego originally. Hotel Books is from Porterville, California. but and that's I where have I've no been idea born. what that is. Yeah, I was born and raised in Porterville, but the band started when I was in college in San Diego. And okay. when we were there, we, we immediately became friends with Being as an Ocean, Myron Long, and Capsize. Um, those three bands all had stuff going on, and we didn't because we were new. You know, we, right. we, we just moved there, and all three of those bands constantly uh, let us play shows with them. So we've always had fans who were always like, dude, why won't you guys do a Capsize? And then we always have fans who, dude, 90% of our fans are like, dude, when you're doing a Defeater tour or a Counterparts tour, and then Defeater bless their hearts made it easy and put right. all of us on one tour together you know well, you guys make sense with that tour uh i don't know i haven't actually listened to better off yet but with the other so, bands you guys totally ma- you guys totally make sense yeah we're, we our whole goal was like we wanted, we wanted to do a couple hardcore tours and just yeah. be the, the non-hardcore band which us and better off are both obviously non-hardcore and it's cool because i think whoever put that tour together just had a really good ear for like you know, what? what's going to make... I mean, I think it's cool when all the bands are the same genre. I think it's cool when they do that. But I think right. it's even cooler when somebody took the time to say, like, what's going to be a memorable night for the kid who comes? And I think all five bands offer something completely unique, you know? Um, I, I mean, dude, my bandmates are big on Counterparts and big on, and, you know, Defeater and Captain and stuff. And I've been it's listening so, to them a lot lately, actually. Dude, I saw their audio tree session, and I need to, I need to invest more time in that band. But, uh, yeah, dude, it's just cool because whoever put that tour together, I think they just kind of thought, like... Let's not just put together a marketable tour. Let's put together a memorable tour. And I think it's cool that they let us be part of it. You know, totally. I and I'm so stoked to uh, check you guys out. I believe it's March seventh, March seventeenth, right? At Chain Reaction or it's something. March or April. April seventeenth. That's right. Yeah. Uh, the the Hearts Like Lions tour is in April. March. Is March. Yeah. Um, Cam, any things you want to say? You're going to be on the show again. That'll be cool. Yeah. yeah. Plus, we'll have the record. Yeah, you know, I'd love to come back on once we have the record in hand. I, I want to talk, you know, I could go on hours about the record, but right. I really want people to hear it. I don't want to put too many, like, notions in people's heads, and then they listen to it, and they're like, hey, Camp said it was going to do this, and it didn't. <laughs> it did. But it, I can it, tell you now. It does not that, sound like P.O.D. Dude, I, yeah, don't don't rule it out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I want, dude, we got, we got some pretty... I think my favorite thing I ever did in the world, I don't know if I'm allowed to tell people about this. I took, uh, I isolated the vocals to our song, Nicole, and then went on iTunes and downloaded the instrumental version of Nikki FM by Hawthorne Heights, and I made Nicole FM. And the chorus, the, how dare you think? I put that on the chorus, and it was like this chuggy guitar, like, dun it, dun it. And it's just me going, how dare you think you could fight it? It sounded like Limp Bizkit, dude. It was so cool. It was so cool. I'm not good at that stuff. If somebody's really good at that stuff, please make that a, a real thing. Dude, it was so tight. Mash up Nikki FM and Nicole. Yeah, it was so okay. cool. I don't but, know uh, that. Well, I, don't know. I didn't do a very good job at it. But it just sounded like Limp Bizkit, and that's what the world needs is another Limp Bizkit. <laughs> that's what I want to leave with. Like The one more thing I want to say is the world needs another. another. There's only one for Durst, and there always will be. But you know, we could use another Limp Bizkit. Cam, any last things you want to say? Yeah, by the record. By the record. <laughs> By um, pre-ordered, and, it comes with the vinyl, yeah, right? Yeah, pre-order. We did orange vinyl, we did pink vinyl, we did green vinyl. We Beautiful had fun with the vinyls. vinyls. Thanks, man. Yeah, we worked. We put a lot of thought into the vinyl colors. We did a Porterville orange. You know, orange and our record has a green, like a mint green right, to it. Yeah. So I want to do orange and green, which is a. Uh, I went to a high school for a while called Porterville High School, and that was a school color. So that's why we did that. Okay. Uh, do we overthink every decision? And then we put. We did the pink one. Um, cause we were like, Oh, mint green and pink go well together. That could okay. be cool. So we did one where like, let's just, you know, do something that's cool. And then we did the green splatter cause we've had a lot of fans ask for a splatter. So we, we wanted to, we listened, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so we all, all three of them had their own little, I guess, I why we did it type of thing. But, uh, yeah, buy the record if you want to buy the record. If you don't want to buy the record, um, our fans have been so honest with us that they all just illegally download our records. <laughs> it's cool that they tell us. <laughs> well, I've never been able to find it, so I've actually bought it. Yeah, I so mean, nothing. 
<laughs> Dude, that was like you, your old band when you you were like, I had your single on my iPod, on my iPhone. You're like, dude, we never release that for Dude, download. Yes, you did. <laughs> yes. I torrented, I torrented your we single and then I forgot that. Online. I, we didn't set it up for yeah. download and then you're like, yeah, hey, look was, what I got. <laughs> and then I was like, oh crap. I just outed myself as a thief. That was, if it makes you feel any better, that's the only, I don't torrent. I don't like no, torrenting. Right, right. Um, I'm not anti-torrenting, but it's not something I like to do. That's the only song I've ever torrented in my life. Would you, so. would you ever? We wait. You, we were. Wait, were we online? Were we on? One I of just sites? found it. I just found it on some random. I just googled how to how to torrent it, and then I found it on some random some random kid put on the internet. Some like Our local song? kid. It was cool. Yeah, it had like Isolation AD and like Dynasty and all that stuff on it, and then your guys' song. <laughs> All right, now we're linked with Dynasty. That's a that's, that's all you cool. need, <laughs> dude. The doors are wide open for success now. Now I'm gonna go see you uh, with Hearts Like Lions, and I'm gonna go see you with Defeater. Uh, I am so stoked. Everyone, go buy Hotel Books. Uh, album comes out April 7th. Run Wild, Young Beauty. You can find them on Twitter at Hotel Books and Facebook. Just look up Hotel Books. And actually, you could just Google Hotel Books, and I'm sure you can find them. And InvogueShop.com. InvogueShop.com. And uh, go buy the new Hearts Like Lions record on Tooth & Nail Records. Yes. Go get Hearts Like Lions, These Hands, EP on Tooth & Nail. when you tell a band, hey, we're a a baby band doing a DIY run without our booking agent, there's not very many bands who are like, dude, that sounds like fun. We'll take a risk. But Hearts Like Lions did, so we owe them a lot, dude. I love Hearts Like Lions. First guest, and actually, uh, as yeah, we're were, winding this down, they were my first, but Cam, you were supposed to be my first. That's right, me and Kevin. No, just you. And then I didn't. No. Why did, I, did I bail? Oh, I, it didn't work. I, I didn't hit record. That's right, dude. It's come a long way, man. Yeah, man. So this is technically the first episode of the Kill Rock podcast. <laughs> this is 37 episodes later. It's just, dude, it's a remake. It's Everybody a remake. loves the remake. <laughs> Everyone loves the second try. It's just cool because the first try I had nothing. To, I think I was talking like, yeah, I hope we can write music. <laughs> and now this time we actually have a record. Kevin's going to be on it. We love Kevin. <laughs> yeah, none of that happens. No, none of that happens. But uh, Kevin's still Kevin's still a Kevin, part of it. Kevin's still he has Kevin. His Kevin's still Kevin. Thank you so much, Cam, for coming on the show. Dude, thank uh, you so much. Everyone, stay tuned. Run wild, Young Beauty. Go check them out with Defeater. Go check them out on their little tours of South by So What. Yeah, Here and on the check Kill out podcast. Dallas area. Check out South by So What because it's awesome. Oh, yeah. Uh, Cam, any song you want us to close this one out with? Any of yours? Of a hotel book song? Any hotel book song. Um, I mean, the, the promo song for Defeater Tour has been Constant Collapse. Then we're going to do Constant Collapse. Yeah. Thank you guys. If you want a, what was that? If you want a new song, then play Run Wild. Well, we'll, we'll start the episode <laughs> off with that. Guys, this is Constant Collapse here on the Kill Rock Podcast. On Monday, episode 38, we have Michael Sweet from the band Striper. Yeah. Stay tuned for Just that. Tell him, <laughs> tell him about me. I'm going to interrupt your ad. I don't care. <laughs> tell him about me. If, if Michael Sweet doesn't know who I am by the end of the interview, you didn't do your job. <laughs> I'm just ruining your professionalism right now. You really cool. are. That's, hey, you really are. This, if this actually goes to video, this is going to look so stupid. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it's going to be clipped, clip, clip. It's going to look like a <laughs> avatar show. <laughs> I think you know. Thank you guys for joining us, and we will see you next Monday. You're on the Kill Rock Podcast. But I'm here for you, so I will never leave. And I'm starting to believe every time you said you loved me, you were just talking in your sleep. And I said I would die for you, but that was before I knew that it's all you wanted me to do. And time and time again, I can tell you I hate you, but that won't ever make it true. Cause even during the good times when you kissed me, I didn't want to open my eyes. Cause I didn't want to realize how hollow our love was. But now that it's over, I'm still here. And all I want to know is love. And I only talk about you in the past tense, cause through all of this
I love you. 